Well, this morning we're doing one more on the uh, attitude section of this. There was a story of one of those guys that some people just decide to hate. But you know those kind of people that are always in a good mood? No matter what, they have something positive to say. Yeah, this guy's name was Michael, and his friend was writing this story about him one time. I'll read it to you. He said, <clears throat> he said, seeing this style really made me curious, this style of life, this style of just being so positive. So one day I went up to Michael, and I asked him, I don't get it. You can't be a positive person all the time. How do you do it? So Michael said, each morning I wake up and say to myself, Mike, you have two choices today. You can choose to be in a good mood, or you can choose to be in a, mad, in a bad mood. I choose to be in a good mood. Each time something bad happens, I choose to be a victim, or I can choose to learn from it. I choose to learn from it. Each time someone comes to me complaining, I can choose to accept their complaining, or I can point out the positive side of life. I choose to point out the positive side of life. Yeah, right. It isn't that easy, I protested. Yes, it is, Michael said. Life is all about choices. When you cut away all the junk, every situation is a choice. You choose how you react to situations. You choose how people will affect your mood. You choose to be in a good mood or a bad mood. The bottom line is, it's your choice how you live your life. Soon thereafter, I left the tower industry to start my own business. We lost touch, but I often thought about him when I made a choice about life instead of reacting to it. Several years ago, I heard that Michael was involved in a serious accident, falling some 60 feet from a communications tower. After 18 hours of surgery and weeks of intensive care, Michael was released from the hospital with rods placed in his back. I saw Michael about six months after the accident. If I were any, I, I called him and I asked how he was. He said, if I were any better, I'd be twins. Want to see my scars? I, just, I declined to see his wounds, but did ask him what had gone through his mind as the accident took place. The first thing that went through my mind was the well-being of my soon-to-be-born daughter. Then as I lay on the ground, I remembered that I had two choices. I could choose to live or I could choose to die. I chose to live. Michael continued, When they wheeled me into the ER, I saw the expressions of concern on the faces of the doctors and nurses. I got really scared. In their eyes, I read, he's a dead man. I knew I needed to take action. So he says, well, what did you do? Well, there was a big, burly nurse shouting questions at me. She asked if I was allergic to anything. I replied, yes. The doctors and nurses stopped working as they waited for my reply. I took a deep breath and yelled, gravity. <laughs> Over their laughter, I told them, I am choosing to live. Operate on me as, as if I am alive, not dead. Michael lived thanks to the skill of doctors, but also became because of his amazing attitude. I learned from him that, very, that every day we have the choice to live fully. Attitude, after all, is everything. And it surely is. Last time we talked about how to guard against bad attitudes. That bad attitudes can work our way into our life, and the way that we guard against that is to walk in love. We went over what 1 Corinthians 13 taught about that. Remember, love is kind. Even though it suffers a little, no, no matter how much it suffers, love is kind. Love is not selfish. It rejoices in the truth. It hopes all things. It believes all things. We looked at the list that 1 Corinthians 
gave us about love and what love is. And if we walk in those things, we can find that bad moods can't get a hold of us. We gave you three tenets of love out of this. The first is that love is selfless. Second, that hope, it is hope-filled. And third, it is growth-seeking. Three main things to, to focus on. It is selfless, it is hope-filled, and it is growth-seeking. Love is going to seek for others to grow that are around you. That's going to be one of your purposes in life. It is always filled with hope. It does not despair. And it is selfless. It's never focused on ourselves. Said uh, most times it is not about what we say, what is said or done to us, but what we think about it. That's where our problem comes in. All people all the times are saying nasty stuff, harsh things. It's what we think about it afterwards. Remember that story I told you about Brother Keith Moore. No matter what people said about him, in malice, be as babes. Do you see your bad attitude as a good? Sometimes we can fall into a bad attitude for so long we think our bad attitude is actually a good one. We actually think that we have reasons for being this way and it's a good thing that we're, we're operating this way. Otherwise, we could be a lot worse. We gave you this thing to think about. What tenant of love came under attack most recently? How about this week? Did one of the tenets of love come under attack? Were you tempted to be self selfish? Were you tempted to be uh, not hope-filled? To think the worst of, of people? Were you uh, not seeking the growth of other people? To turn a bad attitude around, walk in a good one. Now, we all know that bad attitudes are the enemy of good attitudes, and good attitudes are the enemy of bad attitudes. You're either going to walk in one, or you're going to walk in the other. It's kind of like being around a pool. Either you're wet, or you're not. Either get in, or stay out. So, if we gave you this in, there, in your outline, you'll see this four ways of bad attitudes come to us. This may not be the only four ways, but it's the four ways I came up with. You come up with the fifth way, that's fine. You can write it in there. Four ways a bad attitude comes to us. First off, we lose what we thought was ours. If I lose what I thought was mine, that job was mine. I know that job was mine. That promotion, that was mine. That money was mine. We, we lose what we thought was ours. That can get you in a bad attitude. We don't get what we think we should. Can't believe they gave that to so-and-so. I should have had that. I've been asking for that. I've been looking for that. We don't get what we think we should. Number three, we get what we don't want. How many of you have received something you don't want? Doesn't that mess with your attitude? We get what we don't want. Or someone else gets what we wanted. Someone else gets what we wanted. We don't get what we think we should. We lose what we thought was ours. We get what we don't want or someone else gets what we want. These kind of things will make you angry. Put you in a bad mood. At least they can, unless you make a different decision. Now these include, but they're not limited to, stuff. Someone else got the stuff that you wanted to have. You didn't get the stuff you thought you should have. Second one, promotion. We didn't get it. Somebody else got it. Money. Somebody won the lottery. Somebody that you know won some money in the mail. Whatever it might be. Recognition. Somebody else got the recognition. You didn't get it. Remember some folks in the book of Acts saw the recognition that Barnabas got because they gave some money? They decided they wanted to have that recognition. 
That didn't work out so well. And hardship. How many of you have ever received hardship, whether just going through life or hardship in a job? Hardship somewhere. Somehow you got more persecution, more hardship, more difficulty. You didn't think you deserved it. You surely didn't want it. Those kind of things can, can hinder you. So to keep a bad attitude away, we must be on guard against the way in which they come. If you're going to keep it away, you've got to know which way it's going to come so that you can stand guard against it. If you have no idea how a bad attitude gets on you, then you have no idea how to guard against it. So we've got to keep in mind, how does a bad attitude come against me? And so when it does, I can guard against it. All right, here's one of the ways. As soon as somebody gets something I think I should have deserved, just understand there's a pathway there for a bad attitude to find you. As soon as is I get something that I don't want, there's a pathway for a bad attitude to find me. So forth for all the rest of them. All right, let's take a look at a couple of examples. We're going to look at an example for each one of these. In Esther chapter 3, verse 1, After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamadatha, excuse me, can't, can't quite read that, the, uh, the Agite, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes who were with him. And all the king's servants who were within the king's gate bowed and paid homage to Haman. For so the king had commanded concerning him. But Mordecai would not bow or pay homage. So he is receiving something from everyone except Mordecai. And we all know the story of Esther. He gets upset. Because he should be giving that to... I should, I should get that. I should have that. I'm not getting it from him. And therefore, a bad attitude came in to Haman in regards to this. Then the king's servants who were within the gates, the, the king's gate said to Mordecai, Why do you transgress the king's command? Now it happened when they spoke to him daily, and he would not listen to them, that they told it to Haman to see whether Mordecai's words would stand. For Mordecai had told them that he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay him homage, Haman was filled with wrath. But he disdained to lay hands on him or Mordecai alone, for they had told him of the people of Mordecai. Instead, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus. Now, that's a real bad move when you want to destroy a whole group of people, not just Mordecai. We want to get rid of all of them. So Haman is in a bad mood now. He should be in a good mood because he's been elevated to a nice position. He's getting all kinds of recognition, but he's not getting everything that he wants. And he gets into a bad mood. In uh, chapter 6, verse 1, came upon a night. We're jumping through this story here, but the, that night the king could not sleep. Ever had one of those nights you couldn't sleep? No, the king couldn't, couldn't sleep, couldn't figure out how to get to sleep. So, one was commanded to bring the book of the records of the Chronicles, and they were read before the king. Now, I imagine they had people on staff 24 hours a day, but if not, can you imagine if the king can't sleep, therefore you are not? Now, I was sleeping just fine. But the king's not, so I've got to come in and read to him. <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's not very nice. But uh, more than likely, they had people on staff 24 hours, and he just got the guy who was up. Surely you don't know anybody. When they can't sleep, they keep you awake. And it was found written that Mordecai had told of Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, the doorkeepers, who had sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. Then the king said... What honor or dignity has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? And the king's servants who attended him said, Nothing has been done for him. 
So the king said, Who was in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace to suggest that the king hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. He's all worked up over Mordecai. He's going to come in. He's going to get this guy. We're going to get him now. He's coming. He probably came in early. And just as we finished reading this and just after he asked the question, what's been done for him? And just as he got the answer, nothing. Oh, we need to do that. Who's in the king's court that we can get to do this? So they said, Haman is here. He's standing in the court. And the king said, let him come in. So Haman came in and the king asked him, what shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart, whom would the king delight to honor more than me? Most people who have bad attitudes expect people to do things for them. Have you ever noticed that? Most people have a bad attitude expect other people to start doing stuff for them. That's why you don't want to get a bad attitude. You don't even recognize what's going on. And Haman answered the king, For the man whom the king delights to honor, let a royal robe be brought which the king has worn, and a horse on which the king has ridden, which has a royal crest placed on its head. Then let this robe and horse be delivered to the king, of, to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that he may array the man whom the king delights to honor. Then parade him on horseback throughout the city square and proclaim before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Then the king said to Haman, Hurry, take the robe and the horse as you have suggested and do so for Mordecai, the Jew, who sits within the king's gates, leaving nothing undone of all that you have spoken. So he came in to kill him and he goes out to honor him. So Haman took the robe and the horse, arrayed Mordecai and led him on the horseback throughout the city square and proclaimed before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Afterward, Mordecai went back to the king's gate. Now, if you have a bad attitude and your bad attitude centers around Mordecai, how is this going to help your bad attitude? It's probably not going to make it much better, is it? It's kind of like throwing, on, uh, throwing uh, gasoline on a fire. But Haman hurried to his house, mourning and with his head covered. That's a little, uh, little overboard, don't you think? When Haman told his wife... Zeresh and all his friends, everything that had happened to him, his wise men and his wife, Zeresh, said to him, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, <laughs> they've already seen it fallen, is of Jewish descent, you will not prevail against him, but will surely fall before him. While they were still talking with him, the king's eunuchs came and hastened to bring Haman to the banquet, which Esther had prepared. And of course, that's the banquet that she's going to expose him for what he's doing, and he's going to be dead shortly after this. It won't take, uh, take very long. So he got a bad attitude, but he got a bad attitude because of the first one. Let's go back over here and read these, these things because we're going to need to, to know these. What, what we lose, what we thought was ours. We don't get what we think we should. We get what we don't want. And someone else gets what we wanted. So he lost what he thought was his. He, he thought honor belonged to me and Mordecai didn't give it to him. He saw it as lost. I need to go out there and get that. I need to take it by force. If I can't get it by force, I'm going to kill the guy who stands in my way. And that didn't work out so well for him. Let's take a look at another guy. And this is going to be in Genesis chapter 4, verse 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground of the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of the flock and of their, their fat. And the Lord 
respected Abel and his offering. They did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was, was very angry. His countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? See, people have a bad attitude. One of the things they do is they get angry. Remember those seven things? One of the things you do when you have a bad attitude? You get angry. You get angry easily. The more you stay in a bad, bad mood, the more did you stay with a bad attitude, the easier it is to get angry. You get angry at all kinds of stuff. You've got to get out of that. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Bad attitude resulted in murder. This is not good. He didn't get what he thought he should have. He, he should have God receiving his offering because he wanted to offer it. He didn't want to offer what God asked for. He wanted to offer what he felt like. He wanted to do it his way. You see, there's a submission problem there. Generally, folks, most times when we fall into an attitude problem, we have a submission problem. People with bad attitudes are unsubmitted, or at least not submitted to the right things. You'll have a hard time finding any case in the Word of God or in your life where that's not the case. Now, how does this come upon him? How does he get this bad of an attitude to go to the place he's going to murder somebody over it? And all that he's doing is killing the guy who is being received. That's not going to help him being received. It's amazing the decisions people with bad attitudes make. They make decisions. It's not going to help. You ever seen, I'm sure this has not happened in your household, but maybe you've been watching TV and you saw somebody get a bad attitude on, on the show and they pick stuff up and they throw it. Right? What good does that do? Not only do you got to go get it now, but it may be broke. And if it's broke, you got to replace it. If it's yours, you got to you buy, buy a new one. If it's someone else's, you really got to buy a new one. So now you got to replace the thing that was working just fine. There was no reason to replace it, but you threw it. Ever get bad attitude at your computer? They don't handle being thrown very well. See that commercial on the TV where they got all the little kids playing the parts of adults? And the, the little guy, is, he's on the phone. Your wait time is, I don't know, 45 minutes, something like that. And he gets mad and he throws the phone. Well, that breaks the phone. Now he's going to have a longer wait because he's got to go call again. That doesn't help you out. See, bad attitudes, we tend to throw things, break things, if we just let them go. And, uh, or kill people, as in this case. It's not going to help us. How does this come upon him? Because a thought is sowed in his head. God should accept your offering. And he's thinking, he should. I can't believe that God is not accepting my offering. I'm giving him the best of what I have. What I have is stuff from the field. Cain is given lambs, and God's accepting that, but he's not accepting mine. How unjust, how unrighteous of God. Get angry at God. The thought comes in. All right, Exodus chapter 2, verse 10. And the child, being Moses, grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his servants. So he looked this way and that way, and when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one who did the wrong, Why are you striking your companion? 
Then he said, Who made you a, a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, Surely this thing has become known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Well, Moses is beginning to realize that the Jewish people, however he came to it, whether his mother told him or somebody told him or he just came to the knowledge, he realized these were his people, the, the Jewish people, and he felt the call that God was saying to be their deliverer. That was a call that was on his life. He was recognizing that call. And he's going to go out there and to do that. And he sees an Egyptian beating one of his, friend, one of his uh, uh, countrymen, one of his uh, Jewish brethren. And he goes and he kills them. That's not exactly how God wants him to be the deliverer. He sees something going on. See, sometimes when we see unrighteous things going on, we get mad. We've actually gotten a bad attitude about it. Either we're mad at the Egyptians, we're mad at God for allowing us to go on, whatever it might be. But he goes there, he kills somebody. And he thinks no one looked, nobody saw. But then when it came known, he, he fled again. Now he's got an attitude. Why didn't the children of, of uh, Israel, why didn't the Jews recognize that I put my life on the line for them? I was out there trying to help them. I took one of their brethren who was being beaten and I stopped it. Why aren't they appreciative? You ever thought people ought to be appreciative of something that you did? You can get a bad attitude when they aren't appreciative. Now Moses, he didn't get what he thought he should. I should the Jewish people should recognize how great of a guy I am for them. They should uh, respect me and honor me. And he didn't get what he wanted. He wanted to fulfill the calling of God. He didn't get it. He got a bad attitude. He, went, he ran away. He didn't ask God what he should do. He ran away. And then he stayed up there in the wilderness for 40 years. And we know from the timeline, we're not going to get into this now, but God had promised 400 years of captivity or said it was going to be 400 years that the Jews were going to be in captive with Egypt. 400 years they were going to be in Egypt altogether. When they come out, it's 430. That's 30 years over. The Bible very specifically gives both dates. 400 years and then 430. Which means Moses right now is 10 years too early. And then he goes and runs into the wilderness and comes back 30 years too late. Or 30 years late anyway. God still worked it around. But you see how it messed it up? How it messed up? Because he got a bad attitude. And even when God was dealing with him, because when 10 years was up, God's ready. I'm ready now. God's ready now to, to bring him out. Moses is not. And he's resisting it. And Moses resisted the leading of God for 30 years until finally God showed up in a burning bush. And even then, he wanted to resist it more. Go send someone else. I'm no good. He's still trying to resist a burning bush. And a voice comes from it. And he's still trying to resist that. Now see, that's a bad attitude when you have one for 40 years. But he got rid of it. And he worked on. Saul, we all know this story very well. 1 Samuel 18. <clears throat> In verse 6, Now it happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousand, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. 
Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So saw I David from that day forward. Hmm. Got mad. Got angry. You see a bad attitude starting to, to form with Saul. And he, his downfall went from here. And it kept going. Until finally God rejected him. Rejected him being as, as king. And went out there and found a replacement. Hmm. He was very angry. David has slain his... Or Saul has slain his thousands. And David his tens of thousands. I don't think... And then the thought comes in. Alright, you already know. Samuel has already said... He's, God's going to find a replacement for you. You need to be on a look. See that guy? That guy. Be suspicious of that guy. And Saul's being suspicious of all kinds of folks, but now he's got to think, oh wait, they're, they're singing about him now? And it got to the point where he began to, as much as good as David did for the kingdom, he tried to kill him. Over and over and over and over. Now, if you want a good example to stay out of a bad attitude, look at David. Can you imagine that your boss is not only not promoting you, not only not giving you a raise, but is actively trying to kill you to the point where he throws a spear at him and David still thinks he just had a bad day. We're okay. We're all right. We'll get back in there. And <laughs> now where does this problem start? The problem starts because he sees an action going on and his thoughts take off. We saw what his thoughts were. His thoughts were, hmm, they've given to David 10,000 and me only 1,000. What more can he have now except the kingdom? His thoughts are going. See, it's the thoughts that we have that make it, that, that bring us a problem. It's our thoughts that put us in a bad mood. It's not what other people did. It's what we think about what they did. So this is, this is not a good thing. He's, he is not happy here. Someone else got what he wanted. Now it happened as they were coming. Oh, we already read that one. Look at all these. They all start with a thought. They all will start as a thought. And each one, for each one, it affected their submission. When Saul began to get an attitude about the things that God asked for, about the things that Sam, Samuel asked for, about the things that David was doing, he was no longer submitted to God in his ways. He was submitted to Saul. You look at some of these other ones. Now, Haman was never submitted to God, but you can see he got even more and more unsubmitted to the point that he could see that God, people around him, God is working on his behalf. You need to get out of the way. And he wouldn't listen. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't go. These are, these are people we can learn from. Moses had a bad attitude, but thank God he got out of it. And once he got out of it, people didn't pull him into a bad attitude again. One more time we see it when he's confronting Pharaoh. The first time he's, he's confronting Pharaoh and Pharaoh ups the, the ante on them. No longer we're going to make give you straw. You've got to get your own straw. And he was discouraged at that. But that was it. After that, he, he stayed right in there. He learned how to resist the bad attitude. Could you develop a bad attitude if two to four million people rose up, stood by your tent, and demanded that you die? Complained about you. That could get us in a bad mood, right? We get in a bad mood if two people complain. Two to four million people rising up in rebellion against you. Now here's some other people who resisted. We see that, as we said, Moses later on. Joseph, could you have developed a bad attitude if you were Joseph and your brothers threw you in a pit and sold you into slavery? Could you have a bad attitude about that? If you were serving your employer so well, like Joseph did, 
and someone makes a false accusation, and instead of believing you, he either believed his wife or he didn't believe his wife, but he still punished you and put you in prison. And you're in prison now for something that you didn't do. Could that give you a bad attitude? But he resisted the bad attitude. He stayed on the positive side even all those years in prison. All those years in slavery. And when the day came and promotion day was ready, what kind of attitude does he have? He's got a good one. He stayed on guard against it. Peter, would you have developed a bad attitude if you were walking on the water and you begin to sink and Jesus comes up to you? Where's your faith? Would that have gotten you upset? What about when you pull Jesus aside? Hey, we, we love you. We don't want to see you go anywhere. This is not really a good thing to be talking about dying and um, being crucified and all that sort of... This isn't, this isn't good. And he says, get thee behind me, Satan. Not even, Peter, don't talk like this. Get thee behind me, Satan. Would that have put you in a bad mood? But Peter didn't. Peter stayed on guard against it. He didn't get into a bad mood. He may have been set back a little bit of that. We don't know exactly, but he stayed with it. And even though, despite his failures, he stayed on. Maintaining a good attitude in any, any suffering, any suffering that we do, if we maintain a good attitude in it, it will sustain our submission. It will sustain our submission. One of the things that Satan likes to do, Satan's kingdom likes to do, if he knows, I have to get you so that you're not submitted. One of the things I can do is get you into a bad attitude. Because if you get into a bad attitude, just look at overwork. If you have a bad attitude at work, what do you think about your employer? What do you think about the person who's signing your checks? What do you think about the work that you're doing over there? Doesn't that get affected? Don't you come in, how dare they ask me to do these kind of things? How come they're not doing and it affects our submission. When we get a bad attitude, our submission is affected. If you are driving to work and get a bad attitude about things, it can affect your submission. I had to go somewhere this, this, this uh, week. I had an appointment to get to. And it was at a certain time. Eight o'clock I was supposed to be there. It was five miles away. Five miles away. That's not far. I left at 7.30. Because I like to get there early. So I left at 7.30 to get there by five miles away. I got there at 8.01. Because the first traffic, the first part that I came to, traffic light, they really shortened the light up. And so about five seconds of green light. And we had a string of, of traffic. About three or four people were getting through. There were about 20 cars. It was on a narrow road. I have a big truck. I can't just turn it around and go another way. There's not enough room on that road for me to turn around. So I had to wait to get on through. I even timed it. It took me eight minutes to get through that one light. So we get through that, that light and we head on down into the, the next area of, of stuff that you're, you're going on. And sure enough, we got another problem at another light. We got another problem with the school zone. We got another problem with a train. <laughs> you ever been there with a train? I don't understand these trains. Do not understand these trains. You stop and you sit there and nothing's happening. And then finally the train comes through. The train goes all the way through into the station. It is no longer on the road, but I still cannot go forward. You still have to sit there and wait for the train to depart the station before you can go. 
It's so bad up in our neck of the woods. 309, I think, has the worst train station there is in the country. I don't know if that's the case, but it surely seems that way because 309 can be backed up for a long, long time. And then, you know, 15 minutes later, another train, four trains come by there an hour. Two one way and two another way. Four times this happens in an hour and during rush hour, that really gets backed up. We just know, go another way. Do not go around that. I did not go that way. I went another way and still got problems. So I walked on into ours at the appointment and says, I think I'll have to come up with a new time because this one's not working. <laughs> school buses, school zones, problem traffic lights, trains, all sorts of stuff. 30 minutes to go five miles. Now, see, I say all that to say this. When that happens and you are feeling uh, the urgency to get someplace, generally you are submitted to traffic, traffic rules, Right? How many of you are feeling like this is an opportunity to not be submitted to traffic rules? Right? It might be a 35 speed limit, but I feel 45 is justified right now. I know that they're saying stop, but no one's coming. I think I can... <laughs> we can begin to feel like I don't need to submit to that. See, when we get into a bad attitude about stuff, and we think that... Because when, when you get on a road like that and... 30 minutes for five miles, you can begin to think, everyone is against me making my appointment. Everyone is against me. People are trying, they are trying to keep me from doing this. That's not right. So I need to up the ante and I need to break a couple of laws. I mean, <laughs> now if the police officer stops you, you, you know better than to say that as a reason because he's not going to listen to it. But it does go on the inside of you, doesn't it? A bad attitude affects your submission. If you have a bad attitude in life, if you have a bad attitude towards God, you are also in rebellion against God. It is hard to find anyone in the Word of God who had a bad attitude who was not also in rebellion to some level. If we maintain a good attitude, we can sustain our submission. So just understand, maintaining a good attitude keeps me submitted to God. At least it makes the road possible. I can still unsubmit if I want to. But generally, if my attitude is good, I stay submitted. Here's the other one. And preserve your promotion. You are in life going through whatever it is that you're going through for the purpose of God promoting you. Whatever it is that you're doing, you're doing it for the purpose that God wants to promote you. We've seen that in countless uh, parables that he gave us. Whatever it is that we're doing, God wants to promote us and he's looking at how we do in what we're in to see if he can do it. We saw Daniel. We saw his three buddies. They kept getting promoted. But how did they do with their attitude? How did they do with their submission? They stayed with it. Peter was promoted. Once he, stepped, once he maintained that good attitude, he was, he was moved up. He was promoted. David maintained a good attitude no matter what Saul threw at him. And he was being promoted. If you maintain a good attitude, you will preserve your promotion. Just think of it this way. If you went into your, your work and you reamed out your boss, how many of you know tomorrow you're not being promoted? <laughs> you're probably not getting a raise. It's not going to do you any good to, to do there, be there and yell at them or, or do things like that. It's not going to help you. It's not gonna, you you, you want to preserve your promotion? Stay in a good attitude. 
Now stay in a good attitude all the time. Don't be in a good attitude half of the day and the other half of the day be in a bad attitude. We've got to maintain a good attitude all the time. If we do, we will find that we are submitted. But one of the ways that the enemy wants to get us to be unsubmitted is to pull us into a bad attitude. A bad attitude about our life, a bad attitude about our God, a bad attitude about his promises, a bad attitude about other believers, a bad attitude about family, a bad attitude about neighbors, about a bad attitude about co-workers, you name it. The enemy is going to try and get a bad attitude in you regarding them. And how is he going to do it? How is the enemy going to pull you into a bad attitude? These are the things we need to be on, on the watch for. Number one, we lose what we thought was ours. Just going over the beginning part of that outliner. We lose what we thought was ours. We don't get what we think we should. We get what we don't want. Someone else gets what we wanted. When one of those four conditions is met in your life, alarms should go off. If you are uh, old enough to remember... Uh, this, the space show, one of the first space shows that came out had the robot. Warning, Will Robinson. Warning, Will Robinson. That should go off. If that's uh, too long ago for you, think about Star Trek and the red alert and that nasty sound that would, would sound out over your TV speakers for, for red alert. Shields up. Such things like that. Why? Certain conditions are met. And we all know what those conditions are. If you ever watch Star Trek, if you ever watch Star Wars, you know what the conditions are, why we should be at red alert, why we should be shields up, right? First off, an unidentified vessel approaches. All right. Unidentified vessel approaches, it's probably not friendly. Let's put the shields up. All right. If somebody is firing at you, it's a good idea, put the shields up. There, there are certain criteria there that would be met, and we know in those situations to do it. Here's a situation for our life. If we lose what we thought was ours, can you remember the last time that you thought something was yours and it slipped right through your hands? It was pulled from you? It was taken from you? Heba, we don't, we don't get what we think we should. I should have gotten that. I was counting on getting that. We get what we don't want or someone else gets what we wanted. When these four conditions, when one of them comes up, just know... A bad attitude has put you in their sights. The only way that it will be accepted is by the thoughts that you entertain. Just because this happens in your life doesn't mean a bad attitude is coming. All that it means is one is on the way. Now get your shields up. Keep that thing back. Don't think on these things. Don't think of, I should have had it. Can't believe I didn't get it. If those thoughts start going through your head, stop them. Get rid of them. Put them out of your, of your mind. I'm not going to think that. No, I'm going to believe. I'm going to hope. That's what the Word of God says. Love hopes all things. Stay in love. You get pulled out into those areas. Your love is being affected. It's trying to pull you out of love. It's trying to get you into a bad attitude. Once he's got you in a bad attitude, you'll find that submission is a problem and bad things are going to find their way to you. Every single person in the Word of God, and we only mentioned a couple, you can go on home and meditate on these and you can come up with some other ones. Every person who had a bad attitude, bad things happened. How about Judas? 
Did he get a bad attitude? How about some of the people that Paul wrote about? Remember he said, beware of these guys. Did they get a bad attitude? How many people are also in the Word of God? Think about it. Just sit on down and begin to, to think. How many people got a bad attitude? And once they got a bad attitude, the devil was able to do all kinds of things to them. We even talk about Jeroboam. Did Jeroboam get a bad attitude? After he was given the kingdom, all kinds of good things at his disposal, and he began to think, remember his words? If the children of Israel continue to sacrifice to God in Jerusalem, they will eventually forget about me. Go back to David. I will lose what I think is mine. I'll lose it. And a bad attitude came in and problems happened with him. There are a lot of folks in the, in the Word of God. Did Jeremiah develop a bad attitude when he was prophesying? Remember one time he wrote about his bad attitude? He said, all right, these people don't want to hear. They just want to beat me for it. I'm not going to tell them. He got a bad attitude about it. God kept giving them words and he's not going to give it. If you're not giving what God's telling you to give, you're not in submission. Why aren't you in submission? Because you've got a bad attitude. They don't want to hear it. I'm not telling it to them. They just keep beating me for it. Well, he eventually got out of that and went back on to, to doing what he was supposed to do. It's amazing how easy a bad attitude can come in. And it will affect you. Maintain a good attitude. It's not only good for the people that are around you, it's better for you. You will go further and God can do more things with you. Would you all stand up? Father God, we thank you that you help us. We do not have to submit to a bad attitude. We do not have to give in to these thoughts that cause us to question what it is that we have, what it is that we don't have, what it is that we lost. We don't have to question these things. We don't have to have these thoughts going on in our mind because love hopes all things. Love believes all things. Love is not selfish not rude it's kind this is what love is and this is how you call us to walk and father we will walk that way we will stay in your path we will follow in your direction we give you the praise and the glory for it in jesus name amen amen, amen. well we have a one praise report so far two two praise if you have one that you didn't hand in get it in we'll get it up here in Read it for you. But over the next week or two, if you have something that you can put down as a praise report, bad attitude tried to find you. And you, uh, you stood up against it. That'll help some of us as we, we face these things ourselves. Ethel Waters said that she was so busy getting in the house, I left my car unlocked and someone went through it looking for stuff to take. There was nothing to take and they did not damage, uh, did not, yeah, damage the car. I praise God for his, wisdom, for his wisdom about not leaving anything in the car to steal and his protection that there is no damage done to her car at all. And as just for maintaining a great and humble attitude, though work this week or throughout work this week, guys, I need to my transition out of the one job and into the new job. And uh, your last day was on Friday. I could have, but chose not to, and it worked out great. <laughs> How many of you have ever been in a place where you're leaving one job to go into another? And some situations go on. I'm sure some situations went on. Some things are said. Some attitudes are there. 
And uh, you can pick up a bad attitude too. Good for you to, to stand up again. That's, that's testimony for all of us to, to hear. All right. Would you all stand up again? Be continually in prayer. We still have some folks that are out there looking for work, looking for jobs. Michael is uh, still looking for some, some waiting on word on, on one out in New Mexico and uh, still has his ears out there looking at some other ones to come on in. So be praying for him. Just as you're going to the week, just uh, do like we did before, talked about before. Call out those things for him. Thank God for the favor that is in his life, the direction that God's given him, where to go and what to, what to seek. Nikolai has a uh, couple of things in the fire. Hopefully he hears this week on uh, one or both of the uh, opportunities that are uh, strung out in the front for him right now. He was hoping here by this uh, this weekend, but uh, maybe Monday or Tuesday we'll be hearing some more on, on those things. So keep him prayer with that. Ethel is also out looking for a, for a job, and we, we pray with her. So those those are the three that I know of that are, are still actively looking for, for work and for a job. We'll be continue to, to pray with them.